Let's pray together. Father, we just thank you for uh, your imprint in our lives. And uh, today uh, we want to pray for our, our offering. We want to pray for those uh, things that you've given to us. You have given us everything. You've given us life and breath and how it, how it addresses us. We've we talked about the Bible says that uh, if you're in Christ that you're a child of God. And so we talked about being children of God. We talked about you know, being holy. We talked about you know, some of these words that, that sometimes describe us. And today I'm, I'm really wanting to focus in on this image of, of, the, of the Christian person or those, that person who's in Christ as being the temple of the Holy Spirit, that, that, that we are God's temple. And I'm really focusing here not so much on you personally here, but really thinking about God uh, or, or thinking about us as a, as a whole, as a group, as a community of believers, that we together are that temple of, of God. So, you know, if you drove through the streets of Viroqua, and you could, you could probably count a number of different buildings, uh, church buildings. There's 20, maybe 21, I don't know. Well, of course, a few of those are probably country churches. And so you, you might drive out to the city limits a few miles. But there's a lot of, a lot of different places. And I'd, I'd like to tell you that that means that Viroqua is really you know, well-Christianized town, um, but I'd, really, in reality, I would say that it only means that we have a lot of church buildings. And, um, but that's, I, I think that's common. That's pretty common because there are like, I think there's 350,000 churches, if I got my figures right, um, in the United States, and most of those have buildings. Most of those churches have buildings, places where people gather like we gather right here today. And and anyway, um, in, in fact, it says, I think, something about our culture, in American culture. We must uh, be at least looking for something. Well, if you figure it this way, we, we have, well, actually, um, I looked to see. I actually didn't get a very, it, it, this, this is hard stuff to really come by. I actually looked to see if I could get this information correct. I don't know if this is exact, but, but you give me a little ballpark here, would you, for a little minute? Um, I think that I saw that there's, depending on where you look at, and there are 81 Mormon temples. There are 179 self-realization centers, eight of those being temples. There are somewhere in the vicinity of 191 Hindu temples in 43 states. There's somewhat around 60 official Buddhist temples. In 2010, there were two, or 2,106 mosques in the United States. Um, that was up 74% since the year 2000. I, I, I guess my point in bringing all that out is, is really this, is we're people who like to identify a place, a place where we can put God. We like that, a location. You, you, can, you can kind of mark it uh, somehow. You can put a steeple on it. You can put a name on it. You can give it spires. You can do, you know, do something that says if you want to find God, we know where to find him. I don't think that that's accidental. I, I think that that is really, it's something that's built into us. I think that that is the way that humanity works. God has always had a presence with his people, with people. It's just always been that way. In the garden, he walked around. It'd be interesting to know what, what that was like, you know, to have actually kind of 
just walked around in the Garden of Eden and talked with God face to face? Looked at him, you know, whatever that, whatever that meant. I mean, there seemed to have been this very real presence where you could just have company with God. And of course, we, we, we did what all human beings do. We, we decided we wanted to be God. We decided that, that we wanted to be Him, and so we messed everything up, and so then we began to, He began to be more particular about His presence. But He didn't leave us. If you wanted to find God after that, you, had to, you went to, through the patriarchs, you, you went to the head of the clan, you went to Abraham or Isaac or Jacob, and, and they represented God's voice to you. But, but there was always, and this is what we have to see, is there was always this presence where you could go. You come a little bit further down historically and you run into Moses, and Moses, uh, simply listening to the voice of God, erected a rather... A, a elaborate tent. Uh, they called it a tabernacle. It was just weird, frankly. It was just, it was odd. It, you know, they called it a tabernacle, and it was made out of certain kinds of wood that had certain, you know, had certain kinds of skin on the top, and, and it had certain pieces of furniture in it. And, but there was that back room. There was that, that, that perfectly cued back room, and, and in that back room, they there sat this box that was called the, the Ark of the Covenant. And, and on top of that box, there was this thing called the presence. It was where God was. In fact, you knew that God was there because he made himself visibly manifest. He showed up in the daytime as a, as a, as a pillar of cloud, and he showed up in the nighttime as this pillar of fire. And, 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 and you knew where, that when God was ready to go, it was time to go because the the pillar went, and then you were supposed to just follow. And of course, that tabernacle got made permanent in, in a temple in Jerusalem. It was built, and then it was torn down, and it was built, and then torn down, built, and then torn down. And, and, uh, you know, but there, it was just the same. It was there. And, and even up until the days of Jesus, when in fact John reminds us that the Word was, who was God was made flesh, John chapter 1, verse 14 and literally, it says that he set up his tent among us. He became flesh. And when you wanted to see God in Jesus' day, what did Jesus say? Jesus said, come see me. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And then, and then he left. And so we're talking about the very presence of God that's been available and it's been among us. And we've seen it in many different images throughout the throughout the whole history of time and all the way up until the time of Jesus. But if God has always had a presence, then wouldn't he have done something in order to be present after Jesus left? And of course the answer is yes. See, the whole point of what we're talking about is that God is wherever you are. That's a little scary when you think about it. God is wherever we are because, as a matter of fact, a matter of truth, this is, this is here, here's what I want to, we know this, but we need to be reminded of this. The church isn't buildings. The church is not a building. I mean, this is a church building, but the church is not a building. You're, you're with me, right? You are all 
the church. You're aware of it. We should be aware of that. I, I knew a guy who used to say this. He says, I'll meet you down at the church house. <laughs> I, that, that sounds weird to me even today because we don't talk like that anymore. I'll meet you down at the church house. And, but because that's what he'd never refer to the building as the church. He would just, you know, because it wasn't the church. But he, you know, for, to him it was the bricks and the mortar and it, it was wood and it was steel. It was concrete. It was grass. It was paint. It was, it was benches. It was just stuff. And, and, you know, but, but it wasn't the church because the church was not a building. It, it isn't a temple. It isn't a, it, it isn't a tent. It isn't a church house because the church is us. It's the people. And there are just a number of images and multiple images of the church throughout the whole New Testament. For example, the church is Christ's body. It is the manifestation of Jesus in the world today. It is or how about this one? It is Christ's bride. We are the bride of Christ. It is, this, it is this person preparing herself to be ready for the coming of Jesus when we will be permanently in a relationship with God forever and ever and ever. But the other image that I've, I've chosen out of all of those images to look at this morning is this image of the church as the building. Oh, not the building, but the building in which you and I are living stones built up into a temple. I just confused you. I know I did. The text that we're going to look at is Ephesians chapter 2. Take a look at that. If you want to open your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 2. We're just going to to pick up the very end of this particular text. Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to tie that to a couple of other texts. I'm, I'm reminded of what the Apostle Paul uh, told his audience back in a day when, when, when they set up idols on the, on the side of the road and, in order to kind of identify God. He said, God is not in buildings made by human hands. So where is he? Well, he's in a temple. Not an earthly one, not a physical one, not a human one, but according to Ephesians chapter 2, we cut into the end of this chapter, Consequently, he says here, talking about those who have been reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. That's you and me. If you are in Christ, if you have been reconciled by the blood of Jesus Christ, consequently, he says, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone, in whom the, look at those next two words, whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Isn't that incredible? We become the place where God dwells. Where is God? He's wherever we are. Now, don't get that mixed up with some of the the new age kind of things where he's in the trees and he's in the and, and, you know, God is everywhere, but I mean, everything becomes and it's just it kind of gets really weird and funky and everything else. That's not what we're saying here. We're saying that the church is the presence of God. So don't confuse those two. Right. We see that in our world. We see that in our community. We see that everywhere we go where people are confusing those two. We're saying that God lives and dwells within us because we have the presence of Jesus through his spirit living in us. We become the place where God dwells. Where is God? He's wherever we are. 
If, if you want to turn back just a few pages over to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul repeats this image. He, he gives it just this little different focus in this particular text, but 1 Corinthians chapter 3, after talking about this idea, building on the foundation that God has already laid, he gets down to verse number six, 16, and that's what I want us to look at, 1 Corinthians 3.16. And then he asks this question here. He says this, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit lives in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is sacred and you are that temple. Now, he's not talking about your body. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 6. There he's talking about the human body as being the temple of the Holy Spirit, and, and we're supposed to take care of ourselves or take care of our human body. But here in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he's talking about the church. He's talking about the people of God, the, the gathered body of believers, the assembly of saints, the you know, he says to us, this assembly of saints is, in fact, it's sacred. It's, it's holy. Don't destroy the temple. Strong, strong relation, uh, language, I think, about our relationship with, with each other and, and, and the significance of our union together as this, as this building, not the physical structure, but as this building of the church in which we are each other living stones according to 1 Peter, as he says. And so I found myself asking, if we're the presence of God, what would that look like? Because quite, quite honestly, I, you know, when I look in the mirror, I just got to tell you, I, just, I don't see the presence of God there. I, I, I just don't see that. I don't see God. I just... What would the presence of God look like? I, I just God think. I, I think. Well, anyway, I, I think it would look at least like this. It would look like. I'm just going to give you a couple things to chew on for, and then you can go out. Well, then you can. We'll give you something else to chew on during our subs and Sundays. Um, although we don't want you to chew on the Sundays, you'll get cold teeth. But we do want to give you something to chew on when you know to leave when we leave here after the subs and Sundays. You can have something to chew on. Um, and the first is this holiness. This is what it would look like. Holiness that rises above human sinfulness. That's an image, isn't it? Holiness that rises above human sin sinfulness. I think that that's what that would look like if we were to see, if we were to see the presence of God in us. I think it would say that holiness is something that rises above human sin. D did you hear all that talk, holy talk in the text that we looked at? that we are God's temple, being sacred. We were a holy temple in the Lord. Just nod your head. And, yeah, you heard that? Okay. Um, have you ever asked yourself this question? What does it mean to be holy? Have you ever thought about that? Very much? Focused on that? Because, see, the, the text of Scripture, I think, is so clear. It says, first of all, this, this just blows me away. He says, you are holy. Long before it ever says be holy, it says you are. And, and so this, is, this isn't something you do, it's something that you are, and, and what you are is one who belongs to God. And I, that, that's marked out some, 
that's what marked out something as holy, is that it actually, in fact, it, 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 it belonged to a very holy God, and so therefore, in fact, it was holy. So if it, if it was Israel and they called it the Holy Land, why was it holy? Well, have you ever been there? I haven't been there. Anybody been to Israel? I, I want to go. You, yes, you have. And, but, you know, and I, I want to go there, but it doesn't look holy, does it? No. Um, every picture that I've ever seen, it's just not what I, have, I would describe as being holy. If I was going to describe a place as holy, it would be like Wisconsin, right? It, would, it, would look like, it wouldn't look like a desert, is what I'm getting at. That, that doesn't sound holy. A desert sounds like a desert. And, uh, but it was holy. But, but here's the thing. It, it was holy not because of the geography. It was holy because why? God was there and it belonged to him. It was a holy city, not because Jerusalem was different than any other city, but it was a, it was a, it was a holy city because it belonged to God. And, and, and we're a holy people, not because we're so special. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to burst your bubble. We're not that special. Oh, we are. Because we belong to God. We are a holy people because we belong to God. And then he says, because you are holy, he says, now act like it. <laughs> you got that message, right? And so if we're, we're going to be the presence of God, but seriously, in all seriousness, if, if we're going to be the presence of God in the community all around us, if people are going to come to us and find God, then what's going to happen is we're going to begin to live like the people that we really are. I'm trying to remember the athlete. This is maybe last year, um, or you know, you, you know, I like football, and I was watching something here here a while back. It was a football player. Anyway, he claimed to have become a Christian or claimed to be a Christian, and anyway, seems to have been become a genuine Christian. I mean, I, I, you know, some of these guys. I mean, they're flaunting all their flaunting all their stuff and how cool they are and everything else. And yeah, I got Jesus with me and everything else. And you just it's hard because there's that, I, 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 I don't, you can't tell whether it's genuine. But I, I just remember reading this article about this fellow, and, and the thing that struck me about the article was that he talked about all the different things that, that, that are different about his life now, now that he's a Christian. The, the things, the ways that God has come in and has changed his life. And, and I just remember reading that article and just being impressed by the fact that what he was saying was this, I became holy and so now I'm going, I'm trying to become what I have become. I'm trying to live like it. Now you are a holy people. Now go and do and become and act like what God says you are. See, if we are the church, if we are the presence of God for people, then it becomes incumbent upon us to act like we are holy people. Would you agree with that? Now that does rise above our human sinfulness. You see that, right? Because in and of ourselves, we get, we're, we're, we're not, we've, we've got nothing. At the end of the sermon, and it will, become, it, it will come eventually, I don't know, I told Susan about this, but uh, she should have put it in there, but we're going to sing a song. It's called, Lord, Prepare Me to Become a Sanctuary. 
See, a sanctuary isn't a room. But you, you are a sanctuary. You are a place where God dwells. That's what a sanctuary is, is a place where God dwells. Well, I, I told you I'd give you two different things, and I wanted to share this, this one here briefly. Um, well, maybe I'll give you three, but the last one's really, really short. But anyway, what would it look like to be the presence of God? Here's what I think it would look like. Unity that rises above human diversity. Unity that rises above human diversity. Did you catch that in that text there? It says we are joined, verse 21, he says we're joined together. That's unity. We're built together. We're living stones, and, and that implies that, that those living sto stones are somehow put together with other living stones that become built into this building where God can live. Now, I'm obviously you know this. I'm not a bricklayer. But one of the things I've noticed about bricklaying, anybody a bricklayer? Leonard, are you a bricklayer? No? Anybody? I've done some bricklaying. You have too? So, we're, so Pat's the bricklayer here. Um, one of the things I've noticed about bricklaying is that, you know, they kind of stagger the bricks, you know. They have this one here, and then they put another one in the middle, you know. You know what I'm talking about? We've all seen that, right? They don't just lay bricks on right on top of each other. Somehow you've got to find a way that that can all be tied together somehow. It, it only makes sense, doesn't it? There's got to be a way to somehow tie the whole thing together so it doesn't fall. And see, the idea, I think, of, building, of a building made out of stones whereby there's this unity that rises above our, above our human diversity is that we are all joined together with, with each other. I, I noticed something here. We're not all alike. We're not all alike. I mean, we're different. We're, we're, we got some oddballs and some, some good balls and some... And, um, we all have likes and dislikes, and um, I mean, some of us have different tastes and things like food, right? Um, I notice that sometimes, I, I'm not going to say, sometimes somebody will bring something during a, a, a one of our dinners, and, and I, I, you, know, you, you get some of them just like, man, they just they get up there, and they're getting seconds and thirds of that, and the other guy's like, hey, did you taste that? And it's like... I didn't really particularly care for it. Not, not, not interested. But for one guy, it's just like, whoa, i got to have uh, seconds and thirds. I, I just thought about this this week. Susan made potato salad. I love potatoes. Now, you, we can go into different kinds of potato salad, but there's, there's grandma's potato salad. There's German potato salad. There's, you know, you know, there's so many different kinds. And uh, the thing of it is, I'll eat any potato salad. It can be really good. Um, nothing like grandma's, though unless it has onions. My mom used to make a special one for me. She'd have to pull up, she'd have to not put onions in it. That was mine, and I got my own bowl. Everybody else had the one with the onions in it. Son, you get onions with potatoes and eggs? <laughs> Can't handle that, okay? So, I mean, but, but some of you might say, well, wait a minute, wait, wait. Potato salad without onions? I know some of you are like that. It's gotta have that, isn't that right? Yeah, see, I'm telling you. Uh, we're different. That, that's the point. Um, and, you know, we don't all go to the same places. We don't all like the same music. We, we know that very well when we're listening to music on the way on a trip you know, that we took this weekend with our kids. And, and the kids want us to play this. And mom and I, we want to hear something 
more worshipful. We, we don't all like the same things. We're, we're just a wholly different bunch of people. And so I asked myself this question. What is it that ties us together? And I think it's this. We are living stones who are united together, joined together, this text here says, by being the very presence of God. And that presence, that unity of spirit, that rises above our human diversity. It rises above all of the differences that we have. And in the places where we don't see eye to eye, we sometimes, well, I think most of the time, we just agree to, get, to disagree. We just agree to just get along because why were the church? And see, if you're looking for a perfect church where everybody gets along, you're not going to find it. We know that. Because anytime you get more than one person in one place, guess what you have? Diversity, which demands unity of spirit that allows us to transcend that human diversity. I mean, it's so rich in Scripture to talk about the unity experience. And it does work. That's the wonderful thing about it is it works. Frankly, you know, when you read John chapter 17, which is literally Jesus' prayer, His one prayer, His prayer is, it's this prayer for unity that we all might be one. O-N-E. Unity, right? Not that we'd all think alike. Not that we'd all act alike. Not that we'd all be alike. But that we would have a common sense of direction, common sense of understanding. In fact, I think that that's why the New Testament is so explicit about division that it's explicit about divisive spirits because the writers of the New Testament understood that if people in the church body, those who make up that building, if we're pulling against each other, if we're ripping each other apart, if we're griping, we're complaining to each other. See, I can preach about this because I haven't seen a lot of griping and complaining lately. That's, that's the thing. But we understand that those things are the things that tear the body apart and we would no longer be the building. There's at least one other thing that I think that this would lead to if we were the presence of God, and I close with this. It will be a grace that rises above human failure. If God is present, I have a sneaking suspicion that grace is present. Do, do, do you remember the story in the Old Testament? It, it, Israel is finally, after 40 years of meandering into the, in, the, in the wilderness, they cross the, the Jordan River and, and, and they say, go pick us up some rocks. Send somebody from each tribe to go and get a big old rock. And they walk out there into the middle of the Jordan River and they reach down and they grab some kind of a rock and I suppose that they had a big rock and a little rock and a flat, fat rock and you know, a round rock. I don't know what they were, what kind of rocks they got. They, they went out into the Jordan, they picked up the rocks, they brought them over and they, they, they set them down on the side of the road. I was just a pile of rocks for goodness sake. No specifications of which that they were supposed to look like are they good ones? Are they bad ones? Just get a pile of rocks, pile them up on the side of the road. And so they piled up all these rocks on the side of the road. And then God says this, 
in the future, when you walk down this road, you look at that pile of rocks and you say, this is what God did today. Do you know what just happened? A pile, a pile of ordinary rocks became an extraordinary testimony to the power and the presence of God. And no offense, but, but and I mean this as no, we're, we're, just, we're just a pile of pretty ordinary rocks who have just been fashioned. There's really nothing special about us other than the fact that we've been fashioned, we've been given grace to become a rather extraordinary testimony to the presence and to the activity of God. Paul says it this way, he would go on to say, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that, that all, this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Why does he use a bunch of rocks? Because he knows that inherent in a rock <laughs> is absolutely nothing. So who gets the credit when he's done? He does. Why does he use people like us? Because he knows that inherent in us is, is there, there is nothing that is praiseworthy. He, but, but, but when he gets done, he gets the credit in the, this pile of rocks that sit beside each other from Sunday to Sunday to say, uh, he says, have been formed. We have been formed into this temple where his d spirit dwells. You, me, we are His presence for the rest of the world. That makes us valuable. But there is no greater purpose, I believe, than that. So we're going to sing this song, Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary. A place, God, for you to dwell. And if you're not that sanctuary, if you have not made room in your heart for God to dwell, we want to introduce you to Jesus who transforms rocks, who transforms earthen vessels, pots of clay into stones that have a value and that have a purpose. Let's stand and sing this together and then we'll pray.